0: All the songs that we sung really, really go well with what I want to talk about this morning. This morning, I've entitled my message, Warrior. Warrior, my name is Derek and I'm one of the pastors here this morning and I want to know what do you think of when you hear that word? What comes to mind? Maybe you think of a a gladiator type of fighter, a soldier, somebody who spent some time in the military, a war hero, Uh, maybe you think of a movie character, uh, basketball team? Anybody? Any, any Warrior fans here? Where are you? Make some noise if you're a Warriors fan, no? Oh, there you guys. Okay, all right, go Warriors. Well, how about this? Of all the names that you've ever been called from the kindergarten playground right till now, okay, some good, some bad, some you probably can't say here on a Sunday morning, right? Has anyone ever called you Warrior? Warrior. This morning I want to suggest that if you and I want to live a victorious Christian life, then we need to embrace that word. That's an identity word. We need to see ourselves as spiritual warriors. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you so much for this day. God, thank you for your word. I pray that you would speak through your servant today. And Lord, help us to hear, not just with our heads, but Lord, also with our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. How many of you remember the movie The Matrix? Remember that? Came out out years and years ago. It's an older older movie. But if you didn't see it, it's about this main character. His name is Neo. And Neo discovers that the physical, visible world that he lives in is actually influenced and controlled by another world, another realm. It's It's this realm behind the realm. And he learns that that's actually where the real fight is taking place. And and what happens in that world directly affects and impacts the world as he knows it. And so this morning, I, I really want to talk about that, this idea that there is a realm behind this one where there is a fight that is going on in a hidden war with an invisible enemy. And sometimes we may feel it like, like the, just the daily struggle, you know, just the daily grind. Or maybe that uphill battle. Maybe we're just trying to get through the day to, to get to the end zone of the day and not get tackled. Maybe it's that wall that we just keep hitting over and over and over and over again. And Paul says, look, you need to know something. You're actually in a fight. But it's, not, it's, it's important to know that. But first and foremost, I need to let you know who it is you're fighting and he says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. And when you first hear that, if you've never heard that verse before, you might think, well, that's, that sounds a little strange. You know, it sounds a little sci-fi, sci-fi-ish. But he's saying, look, you first need to know who it is you're fighting. And really, he starts by saying, here's who you're not fighting. You're not fighting flesh and blood. You're not fighting your mean boss. Guys, you're not fighting your mother-in-law. Okay. Or your spouse, even though they may look like sometimes, the, you know, the enemy. You're not fighting that person on Facebook who keeps always arguing with you. They are not your enemy. So who is? Paul says, here's who your enemy is. We are fighting against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. That's not too encouraging right there, is it? If we just stop this, how about I just pray and we'll, we'll dismiss right here. Paul's not sugarcoating this. He says, look, you need to know there's another realm where there are evil rulers, evil authorities, mighty powers of darkness, evil spirits. I mean, say, Pastor Derek, is, is, this, is this message going to be kind of weird? You know, I, I, I don't know if I really uh, believe in... You know, spirits and authorities and, and, and this cosmic enemy and forces of darkness and all that kind of stuff. Well, I like what somebody once said. They said, the greatest trick that the devil ever played was to convince the world that he does not exist. Yeah? That's true, isn't it? And while we don't need to focus on him or give him too much time or attention, we do need to know, like in any battle, who it is that we're fighting. Because who we're fighting determines how. We fight. Who we're fighting determines how we fight. You know, if I've got an invasion of mice at the house, well, that stinks for me, right? But I am going to handle that or approach that problem a little differently than I would an ant problem or a wasp problem. You know, years ago, my mom had an issue with raccoons getting into her backyard. That's a a problem. I don't know if anybody's had a raccoon problem. But I, I said, you know what, Mom, I'm going to help you out with that. That seems like a, a, a bad issue to have. And so we sought out the help of a raccoon whisperer. <laughs> they're, they're out there, okay? So if you need that, come talk to me afterwards. But we found this guy who understood the raccoon really well. He understands how they think. He understands how they move, how they go. And so we enlisted his help. And with his help, I am proud to stand up here this morning and say we have conquered the raccoon. There's no more problems with raccoons. By the way, have you ever had a raccoon burger? Just kidding, animal lovers. Some of you just booed. I heard you. It's okay. No, No raccoons were harmed during that event, okay? But who or what we're fighting determines how we need to fight back. And Jesus said, I want to tell you who you're fighting. In John 10, 10, he said, you're fighting a thief, a thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. One of his closest followers, Peter, said in 1 Peter 5, 8, be alert and of sober mind. In other words, pay attention. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone, anyone to devour. And the Bible says that Satan does this with some helpers who are named demons. Who are Demons. Who are demons? Somebody said, man, my uncle was the meanest dude. He was so, he hated everybody. If you just looked at him wrong, he'd shoot you. (laughs) On the spot. Now that he's dead, he's probably some demon. No, your uncle's not a demon, okay? You cannot become a demon. Demons are not spirits of the dead. If you want to know more about them, you can look up their origins in Revelation chapter 12. It talks all about them, which basically says that they are fallen angels who, along with Satan, who was named Lucifer, were thrown out of heaven because of their rebellion against God. And two mistakes I think we can make in the church today, two mistakes I think we can make is, one, we can overemphasize demonic influence. You know, my phone fell down, and the the screen shattered, and it it was a demon who did that. Some iPhone demon, you know. Or, uh, you know, I I lost my wallet because of a demon. No, well, you know what? I actually did lose my wallet a few weeks ago, and it was because I was stupid. That's why. (laughs) I'm not going to give credit to the enemy for that one, okay? Or, or, I'm broke because of the devil. No, you're broke because you spent all your money at Amazon and, and, and Starbucks last week remember? Or how about this one? The devil made me eat the cake. He just like supernaturally opened my mouth and then he slid it in. One mistake I think we can make is we can overemphasize demonic influence, but another mistake we can make is we can under-emphasize it. We can underemphasize it. Not every problem is Satan's fault, that is true. But I believe more than we realize is influenced by forces of darkness. So, how does our enemy attack? How does he attack us? Well, one of the u- words used to describe Satan in the scriptures is he's a deceiver. He is a deceiver. And what he does is he distracts us and he deceives us. He distracts and he deceives us. I was uh, out by, over the Delta yesterday with my father-in-law and our kids and uh, attempting to fish. I'm not a fisherman. And, and evidence of that is I caught no fish. I didn't get anything, okay? They skunked me. But I've always been curious, you know, about fish and, and where are they going before the bait? Before the catch? They're speedily swimming along somewhere. They're, they have some place to be. Maybe they're late for class because it's a school of fish. Maybe, maybe they have a crush on another fish way up ahead, and so they're trying to get up there to express their true feelings. I don't know. But everything is fine until that little worm shows up. Dangling and wiggling and looking so good, right? But we know the dirty little secret. There's a hook in it. Don't eat it, fish. But they go for it every. You know, you would think that the ones that got caught and then released and thrown back in, they would at least have the decency, you know, and the courtesy to tell the other fish in the fish language or whatever, blah, 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 blah. I don't know. Don't get the worm, man. Sure enough, another worm shows up, and what happens? Game on. Here we go. Even the one with the hole in the mouth. You know, isn't, uh, I don't mean to be disrespectful to all the fishermen here. I appreciate you, deceiver, I mean, uh, fishermen. Um, isn't it an art of deception, fishing? Aren't you deceiving those fish? Those poor, innocent fish never did anything to you? Listen, our enemy knows what kind of bait we like. He knows what makes us bite. So let me ask you, what makes you bite? What bait works on you? Is it the second glance when somebody walks by? Is it something that pops up on a computer screen? Is it after a hard day, you need a hard drink? What bait works on you? Demons are deceivers, folks. That's what they do. And, and they always minimize sin on the front end. Hey, it's no big deal. Don't worry about it. You're not hurting anybody. You deserve this. God wants you happy. No, come on, just, just, just watch it, touch it, smoke it. It's all right. And then when you do sin, what do they do? They no longer minimize it, they maximize it. Your life is ruined. You've made a mess. God can't forgive you. He can't love you. He can't use you. You're out of chances. You'll never get free from this. You know what? You are a failure. What do they do? They minimize sin on the front end, and they maximize it on the back end. Isn't that exactly what happened to Adam and Eve? Spiritual attacks. You know, sometimes spiritual attacks don't come through temptation, though. They just come as an attack. We had a a missions team here this past week uh, from uh, YWAM, Chico, Youth with a Mission. Fantastic group, great group of guys and gals, just with a heart for Jesus and they come to our city, Stockton um, to, to, to minister the love of Jesus to broken, hurting people here and they stayed at our church all week long, they stayed in our youth center and you know what happened, the first night they were here somebody made a fire right outside the door just, just made a fire, could have burnt the place down the second night, somebody came and drilled holes in their gas tanks of their vans ruined them coincidence, spiritual attack. Even preparing for this message, I felt attacked. In fact, a lot of our staff, there's things happening, things happening, coming to me saying, Derek, this happened, and Derek, this happened. And they're like, why did you have to talk on that topic this week? <laughs> so what do we do? What do we do? Folks, i got some good news. Let's turn the corner here. I've got some great news this morning, and here it is. Jesus won. Jesus has won the battle. That's the headline. Jesus wins. Jesus wins. Subtitle, Satan is defeated. And you know, even though that is true, it's interesting that he still doesn't stop fighting us. Notice that? Even though the war is over, Satan still fights. And so what do we do? Well, I believe we have to take authority. We have to take authority. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10, verse 1. It says, And he, Jesus, called to him his 12 disciples, and he gave them what? Authority over unclean spirits, that's demons, to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. You and I have been given supernatural authority over darkness in Jesus' name to crush the works of the enemy. Are you a believer this morning? You have been given supernatural authority. Do you love Jesus? Are you doing your best to follow after him? You've been given authority. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. Let's say I'm a police officer, okay? And I'm standing in the middle of a road, and and there's a 18-wheeler semi truck barreling down the road toward me. Not good. On my own, do I have the power and the strength, the physical strength, to stop that 18-wheeler semi truck? I mean, you, but, I mean, by the looks of me, I might, right? No. I'm not on my own. I don't have any power against that. That that 18-wheeler has the power to make me a smudge mark in the highway. That's true. What do I have? I have authority. I wear this little badge, and if I say stop, I may not have the power, but I have the authority. And if he doesn't want to recognize that authority, there is a higher power that he must answer to. And just like in my own life, I don't have the power to defeat darkness, but I have the authority to declare the name that is above every name, the name with all power, and that is the name of Jesus Christ. The badge that I wear is, is, is a badge that is his cross, And the empty tomb. That's the badge that I have. And guess what, church? Here's an information for us all. His victory is your victory. His victory is my victory this morning. It's not somebody else's. It's our victory. And you're not fighting for victory this morning. You're fighting from victory. There's a big difference. You're not fighting for victory this morning. You're fighting from a place of victory. Jesus said in in Luke 10, 18, he said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. He's referring to that event where Satan was cast out of heaven. And then in verse 19, he says, I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome, here it is, all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. Look at those words. That... Look at the the bold, just the bold words there. In fact, would you read just the bold statements with me? Read it together, just the bold, go. I have given you authority to overcome all the power of the enemy. There is power in the name of Jesus. We sang it here today. There is power in the name of Jesus. That name is above every name. You know, if you don't know what to do sometimes, just say Jesus. Just say. There's a song like that on, on the radio. You may have heard it. When you don't know what else to say, just say Jesus. Just say Jesus. Philippians two ten says, "At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Demons tremble at the name of Jesus." See who you're fighting determines how you fight. There's a movie clip I wanna show you here next. And uh, it's from the movie, The War Room. Do you guys remember that, that movie? It's a few years old, not that old. In fact, many of us went together down to the movie theater and we saw it together. Powerful, powerful movie. If you have not seen it, can I just recommend it to you? Get it, watch it, it's powerful. It's about a a married couple. How many know that the enemy has targeted marriage? Boy, is that under fire, the target. And you know, my wife and I, we have a wonderful, wonderful marriage. But every now and then we have one of those uh, discussions. <laughs> you know, it was a, a, a good healthy discussion. Just a few weeks ago, we were on a vacation and that's supposed to be fun, that's supposed to be a great time and it was, but we got into this argument and we said some things, we hurt some feelings. We're human, but you know what? We recognized it, what it was. We. Be, we we get it. We see it. We know what it is. It's a spiritual attack. And we began to attack it that way. And I'm going to share how we do that in just a minute. But this movie is about a marriage that is on the rocks. And, uh, and this couple, they're just not communicating well. They're missing each other. Things, they're headed toward divorce. And the main character's name is Elizabeth. And she comes to realize that she's been fighting the wrong enemy on the wrong battlefield using the wrong weapons. And she has this godly mentor in her life that, that helps her see these things and helps her fight the right enemy on the right battlefield using the right weapons. And so this is a scene near the end of the movie where Elizabeth draws a line in the sand and issues an eviction notice to the enemy. Take a look.
1: I don't know where you are, devil. But I know you can hear me. You have played with my mind and had your way long enough. No more. You are done. Jesus is the Lord of this house. And that means there's no place for you here anymore. So take your lies, your schemes, and your accusations, and get out in Jesus' name. man. This house is under new management and that means you are out. And another thing, I am so sick of you stealing my joy, but that's changing too. My joy doesn't come from my friends, it doesn't come from my job, it doesn't even come from my joy is found in Jesus. And just in case you forgot, he has already defeated you. So go back to hell where you belong and leave my family alone.
0: That's a spiritual warrior. Taking authority. No better example than that using her weapons. It says in 2 Corinthians 10.4, Paul says, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. The weapons that we warriors fight with are not found here on this planet. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. And a stronghold is just anything that sets itself up against God, that, that pretends or puffs itself up be greater than or bigger than or stronger than God and try to master us. That's a stronghold. And Paul says, hey, we have been given divine power. In fact, I love the word for power here in the Greek. The Greek word is dunamai, dunamai. And what it means, we get our English word dynamite from that word. So you and I have been given some spiritual dynamite if we will use it. And if I circle back to Ephesians chapter 6, where we started, where Paul said, hey, we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies here, but principalities and dark places. Here's what he does next. He goes into a list of our weapons. He says, you have the helmet of salvation. You have the, the, the shield of faith. You have the belt of truth. And those are all vital defensive weapons. And you might wonder, hey, do we have any offensive weapons? What, what? If they are are there, what are they? Yes, we do. Yes, we do. We have, Paul says, the sword of the Spirit. The sword of the Spirit. That is God's Word and even says that. And so, you know, he ends that whole thing with you have this offensive weapon called the sword of the Spirit and then, oh, don't forget to pray at all times in the Spirit. And church, I am totally convinced that Our two greatest offensive weapons that you and I have as believers are God's word and prayer. God's word and prayer. What is better than one stick of dynamite but two wrapped together? So let me give you three quick points this morning, things that we can do to fight our spiritual battles, and they're found on the back of your outline if you flip it over, some fill-ins. Number one We need to apply God's word. We need to apply God's word. His word is truth. The enemy's word is lies. Isn't it interesting? How many times can you identify when you've been attacked spiritually that there was a lie at the center of it? Yeah? There was a lie, some fear, some worry, something at the center of it. It was a lie. Maybe it was, man, I'm a failure. Nobody loves me. I'll always be alone. I'll never get through this. I'm not strong enough to handle this. They'll never change. Things will never change. I'll never have enough. And we see that that lie that we've been rehearsing or believing feeds our anxiety, our depression, and our discontentment. 2 Corinthians 10, 5 says, here's what you got to do. We demolish arguments in every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. A lie, a stronghold, in other words. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Teachers, I I know you're in the room. So let me ask you a question. You know, when you have a naughty student, what do you do? Well, you'd probably like to do a few things, right? But Pastor Scott mentioned one of them. But typically you probably would say, hey, come on over here. I need to have a word with you. You take them over to the side and you say, I I need to have a word with you. That's what we do with our lies. We say, hey, come on over here. I need to have a word with you. In fact, let me show you the word. We put that lie in a holy headlock until it sees and agrees with the truth. We make it obedient to Christ. That's what we do. We apply God's word. I'm not strong enough for this. His strength is perfect in weakness. I'll never get through this. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. They'll never change. Things will never change. With God, all things are possible. I'm a failure. No, I am more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. Can I give you a challenge this week? Inside of your bulletin, if it didn't fall out, I hope not, you should have a little yellow card. You're wondering, what was that about? Okay. What I want you to do with this little action step right here is if while I was talking, if some lie, fear, worry came to your mind, would you just write it down? Just write it down. On, the, on Maybe just hide it a little if you need to hide it from your neighbor, okay? But just write down what lie maybe have you been believing or rehearsing in your mind? What's been circulating and playing in your head? Write that down. If you can't think of one now, you can do it later. Flip it over. And then I want you to write down God's truth about that lie. And and on the back of your outline there, you can see I've put some truths from God's word. Just some examples. And maybe one of those fits you this morning. Or maybe later on, you need to go back home and and search the scriptures and find out what truth opposes and informs that lie. Because we're going to write the lie down, and then we are going to apply the truth over the lie. We're going to write truth over the lie. We're going to write truth over the lie. That's how we fight. That's how we fight, church. And what I want to encourage you to do this week is tape that up on your dashboard of your car. Or or tape it up on your nightstand. Tape it up to your mirror, your bathroom mirror, so it's the thing you see when you're getting ready for the day. Warriors, don't just acknowledge God's word and go, oh, that was good. Close it up and, and put it away. Warriors rehearse it. We're not going to rehearse the lie. We're going to rehearse the truth. We confess it. We believe it. We declare it. And we receive it. We have to apply God's word. Another, number two, another stick of dynamite is to pray with authority. Pray with authority. You saw that modeled uh, in the movie with Elizabeth's prayer. James 5.16 says, "...the earnest prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective." We pray with authority. You can, you can pray God's word back to him. You can pray his promises and his truth right back to him. Declare it. Declare it out loud so you hear it. God hears it. The enemy hears it. You can pray in faith. Pray in faith. Hey, pray for what hasn't happened as if it has. Pray in faith. And you can call out the enemy as Elizabeth did in Jesus' name. Pray with Authority. And third, let me encourage you to worship privately. Worship privately. In this case, I'm talking about singing. Now, worship is how we live our lives, yes, but there is some power in worshiping God with our praise and even singing. Do you have to have a perfect voice to, to, to worship? No, no. By, by the way, by the time it gets to heaven, the pitch changes anyway, okay? God makes it, woo, becomes glorious, glorious, okay? Worship is not just something that we do here on Sunday mornings. It's not an opener or a closer. It's not something that we do so that you have more time to get donuts. Oh, 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 that was quiet on that one. Needle drop. Paul and Silas were worshiping when they were in jail. While they were chained up. I love this scripture. And what did they do? Did they start moaning and groaning and complaining and worrying and fretting and... No. Scripture says they were worshiping. They began to praise God. They began to sing praises to the Lord. And what happened? The chains fell as they began to worship. See, when you're under attack, that's when you need to step up the praise. Why? Because it changes the atmosphere. Praise is toxic to darkness... It's oxygen to our spirits. Praise reminds me that my problems are not bigger than my God. Praise helps me get my focus off my problem and get my focus onto my provider. It reminds me how great God is. How great is our God. How great is our, how great is our God. Sing it. Come on. Sing with me, how great is our God. Oh, we'll see how great, how great is our God. Folks, this is how I wore. This is how I wore. I did it this week, this past week. I've done it over and over and over again. And I'm going to tell you, I get breakthroughs when I do that. Something changes. Something changes when we apply God's word. We pray with authority, and we begin to worship our King. Lastly, i talked about who your enemy is and how to fight. But I want to remind you about this as well. Don't forget your God is with you. Your God is with you. All of Scripture teaches that. It says, the Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. Do not be afraid. The Lord is with you. Emmanuel, God with us. And there's a story i want to end with that's found in second kings chapter six it's about the prophet elisha pastor scott talked about him last week in the series big faith great series i encourage you to go and go and watch that if you if you weren't here but elisha is basically in a pickle he's in a bad spot because the king king aram wants to kill him why because every time the this enemy of israel king aram wants to attack israel Israel's one up on him and gives him the slip. And so he's like, what is going on? What, how is this k- happening over and over and over again? And they said, well, you need to know it's the prophet Elisha. It's him. He says, well, I, then let's find him and get him. And so he doesn't just send a little group of guys, a little posse over there, knock on his door, hey, come on out. He, they, he sends an entire army and they encircle the city. They don't just encircle his house, they encircle the city. And, and Elisha's servant goes, Oh, this is not good. This is not good. We are dead. Dead meat. Last chapter, last page. It's over. He's freaking out. That's my words. He is freaking out. And Elisha says in 2 Kings 6, He says, Don't be afraid. The prophet answered, Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. And then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And I love that verse. I believe that God wants us to have that picture this morning. That there's another realm that you and I, we don't see with our eyes. But it's there, and it's not only filled with forces of darkness, but it's filled with God and his forces, angelic forces. And guess what? Those who are with us, they way outnumber and they way outpower those who are against us. Amen. (laughs) No weapon formed against you shall prosper. If our God is for us, who can be against us? Amen? Amen. Let's pray. I just want to say, if if you have been fighting battles and you can't seem to get some victory, it's okay to enlist the help of other warriors. We need other warriors sometimes to come come alongside of us. and That's why we have prayer here. And so if you would like to even this morning as we're worshiping, come forward and and pray and have some prayer time, do it. Do it. But also during the week, we can pray with you. We have a wonderful lay counseling ministry that will come alongside you, help hold up your burdens that you're facing and you're carrying. Galatians 6, 2 says, carry one another's burdens. We have a mentoring ministry here where we can learn together to look to God's word and help apply his word to our lives. Don't war war alone. There are other warriors here. Jesus, we thank you for your victory. We thank you, Jesus, that you are victorious over the evil one. And Lord, we may fight, but we don't fight today for victory. We fight from victory. And we invoke the name that is above every name, the name that has all power, the name of Jesus. And when we don't know what to do sometimes, when we don't know what to say sometimes, we just need to say Jesus. Jesus. Jesus, there is power in the name of Jesus. Father, I I don't know what burdens we brought in here this morning with my brothers and sisters, but I know you know, God. I know we're facing attacks. We do, every day. And Lord, I pray that as we can apply your word to our lives, Rehearse it. Meditate on it. Memorize it. As we can pray with authority in the name of Jesus. As we worship even privately. Lord, those are sticks of dynamite in another realm. God, I pray that you would free us today to worship you in spirit and in truth. I pray that you would free us from the enemy's lies today. I pray that you would do a work, Holy Spirit, only that you can do. And I thank you, Jesus, that you have been victorious over the enemy, over sin and death, law and judgment. We have freedom because Jesus has won the war. And so, Father, we worship you. We thank you, God, that you are for us and not against us. And that your armies, your angel armies, way out numbers and way out powers anyone who's against us. So we praise you today, Lord. And it's in Jesus' name. Amen.